Hello, and welcome to TP's Music Talk Podcast. My name is Ryan Ford. And I'm Nick Replinger. And you can find us at our website, tpmusictalkpod.wordpress.com. And you can also find us at anchor.fm forward slash tpmusictalkpodcast and other major podcasting platforms by searching for TP's Music Talk Podcast. You can find us on other social media as well, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, and others by searching for TP Music Talk Podcast or for TP Music Talk Pod on Twitter. Just look for our logo. And you can also email us at tpmusictalkpodcast at gmail.com. We also have shared playlists on Apple Music and Spotify that you can check out by searching TP's Music Talk Podcast as well. And don't forget to click the link in the description and leave us a voice message on Anchor. And feel free to leave us a message or a review anywhere you're listening. It really helps us out. And don't forget, donations are always appreciated. You can find a link to donate in the description of any of our episodes. No part of our show can be reproduced without permission or written consent. Hey everyone, Ryan here. Rather than doing my normal spiel about Iron Grave stuff and how awesome they are, which they are awesome, and I do recommend you go and check them out, I wanted to talk a little bit about our podcast and how you can support us. You know, in our intro, we go into detail about where you can find us and follow us, but I've never really gone into detail about how you can support us and donate and things like that, and I think it's about time that I at least let you know how you can do that. So some simple ways that you can support us without having to donate anything, you know, no money to us or anything like that. If you download our episodes, if you listen to them, of course, and then if you let your friends know where you can listen to us and, uh, you know, not just like, oh, this podcast is awesome, but if you actually show them how they can listen to us, you know, like some people aren't as tech savvy as others. And so even just going in and saying like, hey, this is how you look them up. This is how you can download their episodes could be a huge help for some people um, if you ever, you know, have the chance to do that and are willing to do that for us. Um, So yeah, downloading and listening to episodes. And then you can also leave us voice messages. We would really like to hear feedback on, you know, how you like our episodes and things like that, which if you go to anchor.fm slash TP music talk podcast slash message, you can do that. It's a bit lengthy, isn't it? But yeah, if you go there, you can leave us a message and we check all of our messages, our emails, everything every day. So we'll be sure to get right back to you. And then another way that you can support us is, of course, by donating. And to do that, you go to anchor.fm slash TP Music Talk Podcast slash support. And the links to all of this stuff, just so you don't have to remember them, we leave them in the details of every single one of our episodes. So if you ever... If you can't remember, you can find the details there. But those are a couple ways that you can reach out to us and donate to us. And then, yeah, if if you just tell your friends about us and things like that, it's a huge help because, you know, we've recently had some good growth on our channel, but we've never really asked you guys to do anything like that where you're letting other people know about us. And so I just wanted to take a couple minutes just to plug our podcast for a change and... Yeah, any support and feedback would be much appreciated. I'll stop rambling about our podcast and and how you can support us and everything. But uh, lastly, I just wanted to say thank you so much, and I really hope that you enjoy this episode. It's a good one. Hey, welcome back to TP's Music Talk. I'm Ryan Ford. And I'm Nick Replinger. And we're here fresh off the heels of our conversation with Joey Cook. It was a three-part segmented episode. 
it was a, a real fun time having her on the show, and we definitely hope that you go check those out. Got another fun episode for you today. Yeah, today we have a recurring guest come back on today, John Kassler. How's it going, John? <laughs> it's going good. Hey, yeah. whoa, what a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> John was back on our 11th episode, I believe, and we talked about the history of music videos. He kind of carried that whole episode. We learned a lot um, and, and yeah, just went into the history of music videos. We had, it, it was kind of a unique episode because we had like links that you could go and watch videos about what we were talking about and then come back to the show Looking back at it, I don't regret anything about it, but the the only, I, I guess, slight regret I have is that we didn't make it into a live stream. Um, I think that that would have been really cool. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that it was a music video episode and we didn't have video, I mean, it worked out okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were still in our beginning roots back then. We, are, we definitely are a lot more... We got a lot more stuff under our belt now to do things like that. So maybe, maybe in a future episode we could go revisit that that topic or something like that, make it a live stream and oh yeah and yeah. like definitely go more into like video music videos themselves yeah that, that that would be a lot of fun you know especially doing reacts and things like that oh, but, yeah. but yeah but today we're we're gonna talk about the topic of soundtrack music and composers and all that stuff and just like last time we're gonna let john carry this one as well because he's done a lot of in-depth research and although ryan and i were gonna chip into because we're both fans of soundtrack and, and film scores and things like that too and it should be a fun episode for you all to listen to today yeah I'm, I'm super excited let's let's just get right into it um so john i it, but well i guess before we get into it i did want to kind of <laughs> catch up with you for a minute john yeah. you know what's been going on uh since since the last episode that you were on uh, up until now yeah so a good amount of stuff has happened with me progressing with my schoolwork. Um, I don't think I mentioned last time I'm going into civil engineering in college and got into a company working for them. It's all good. And I also am progressing with my photography work. Uh, since last we talked, I've uh, inherited a darkroom setup and have done film photography and have been just perfecting my method with black and white. And actually pretty soon I'll be doing uh, color prints pretty soon so that should be a lot of fun oh that's awesome but yeah john's really really i've seen his dark room and he even did some black and white pictures from mine and nina's wedding as well and we love those they're absolutely gorgeous photos so thanks for that oh yeah thank (laughs) you Uh, it was a really interesting shoot uh, going out into the salt lake and it was kind of stormy windy and you know we're like, okay, let's get some cool pictures and turned out really great yeah yeah we love them we have them a few of those hung up so yeah yeah. yeah, and definitely go check out John's Instagram. I feel like you can find a lot of his, it, well, some of my favorite photos are on his Instagram. It's uh, Kassler Media, right? Yeah, that's right. So C-A-S-S-L-E-R Media. Yep. Yeah, there's some incredible photos on there. And yeah, John, he's he's an amazing photographer. He knows a lot about photography, cinematography, video and he's also yeah going to uh, i think you already are an engineer basically you're yeah, I'm close to being like yeah engineer in training but there you go yeah, <laughs> engineering is my uh well, what do you call it the technical side of my brain and cinematography film and all that is just the artistic side of my brain and yeah it's like a really uh, I, I it's a really good hobby and i just really love it <laughs> yeah so it, and 
yeah, just super talented guy. Definitely recommend checking him out. I, you've got a, a YouTube as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, I think the last time I posted on that was like five years ago. Oh, okay. So mainly <laughs> yeah. Instagram. Is, yeah, is mainly Instagram you. is where you will find my pictures. But yeah, I've been doing a good amount of music videos here and there. I did like a music video for Private School Boys where I did a lyric music video of their song Tuesday Land. And that was uh, really fun to film, uh, going out into the Salt Lake Beach again and seeing the sunset. That was really nice and really fun. Yeah, man, that that is my all-time favorite music video, like favorite video that I've ever seen you put out. Like that oh, thank you. is my favorite one, <laughs> just the way, because I think that it's kind of just like this empty picnic scene and it's, uh, uh, what do you call it, kind of a... Uh, I can't think of the term right now, but you basically go throughout the whole day. It's just a camera oh, a time sitting. Lapse. Yeah, Thank time you. lapse. Ta- yeah. Time lapse, yes. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of the, the word for whatever reason. But yeah, so you see the whole day from start to finish, and it's just kind of this empty picnic scene, except you've, I think, got this little boom box out there, like a, yeah. a, a, a tape deck that I, th- I think they turn on at the beginning. Someone yeah, turns on. Yeah. And just I love the whole concept of it, and I love that song by Private School Boys, and I think that you really did it justice with that music f- or, or lyric video. So Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one to film, just walking, finding the right spot, and just being out there all day. But, yeah, the shots were well, well worth it. Yeah, it was so cool. Definitely recommend checking that one out. That's Private School Boys, Tuesday Land, uh, music video by John Kassler. Yeah, you can find it on their YouTube channel, Private School Boys, and yeah, you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's awesome. So basically just been working on uh, school, a little bit of photography on the side. Oh, yeah. And just uh, chugging along there. Yeah. That's awesome. So. But yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah. Not too much has changed, but have been basically progressing with my photography and cinematography is, yeah, basically the short answer. Yeah. <laughs> you able go, to, yeah. to have any, uh, I mean, I know that those kind of are your hobbies as well, but are you able to have any fun in between all of that? You know, what do you do on the side uh, for, uh, for fun? Well, I mean, every now and then I go to Joe's place and I rock out on the drums and that's a lot of fun. <laughs> Playing on the drums is such a stress reliever, I got to tell you. I'm yeah. sure it's also a workout, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, too, especially the forearms. Just like doing, like, Everlong, just, like, try doing that song without yeah, breaking bet, the sweat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I've, I've, I never, I've never even played the drums. I, I think I've done, like, one kind of kick snare, you know, like a, yeah. Um, but that's about it. That's all I can do on the drums. But that's cool, man. And, and so, yeah, uh, you know, from this point, we'll just kind of get into this. I know, I know that you were wanting to talk about, kind of set up a brief history of uh, music scores and, and kind of how it relates to, to cinema. And, yeah, why don't, why don't you take it away, John, and, and okay. teach us, learn us. Sounds <laughs> good. So I think before I go into the history and the composers and everything, I think I kind of want to start out with a question. And I might want to pose this to you guys, like, why... Do you think we love soundtrack music so much? Why does it resonate with us? That's a good question. Yeah. Well, um, just thinking at the top of my head and not, not thinking about it too much, I mean, why do we love music just in general? I mean, mm. music, you know, it brings you know something to life, whether that's, you know, your emotions or it brings a picture to your mind 
or you just, you know, you just love the ear candy, you know, it does something to the senses. You know, it adds on to that emotional, well, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're feeling. So if you add that to something that you're watching, like, like a movie, it's going to enhance all the emotions that you're feeling and seeing visually and then touch all the senses that are not visual as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Nick. Uh, there seems to be, I, I think I talked about this in the last episode, but there just seems to be this interesting relationship between visual images and music in which you combine it together and create something grander, you know, more spectacular than if one was just by itself. And I think, you know, because movies, there's a lot of visuals, I think it helps as well. There's like a symbiotic relationship. I think I pronounced that wrong. Symbiotic. Oh, yeah. Symbiotic. No, we, we're on the same page. But, you know, where because of the music, you remember the visuals more, and the visuals also help you remember the music more. So there seems to be that kind of interesting relationship. And, yeah, I think that's partly why people really love soundtrack music. Any thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I share the same sentiments as Nick. I think he described it very well. And, and yeah, just putting them together it it enhances it like you know if you think about some of your favorite movies which i'm sure we'll talk about today you know everything from the titanic to i think i i was talking about interstellar yeah spoiler <laughs> alert um but before the before we got on this show today you know the stories themselves are incredible yeah. in in some of these movies but when you add the music behind what the actors are saying and portraying it just enhances it and makes it even more polarizing you oh know? yeah. So and that's that's one of the reasons we love music is because it kind of it can take you deeper into your feelings and like I I think on our last episode with Joey Cook she she described how music um you can kind of just close your eyes and delve into it and swim in it. And I think it's the same thing with music scores. Like a a good music score can take you deeper into the story and the cinema elements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Although, one thing I want to add on to that is, like, yeah, it does also enhance that experience of whatever movie you're watching. But I think it also goes into play on how the composer does it as well, when they choose to play music mm, yeah. and what type of music they're playing as well. Yeah. Because if I think of my most favorite just seen out of any movie ever that's in jurassic park when the t-rex breaks out of the paddock there's no music in that scene whatsoever that's true it's just you hear the the wires break loose boom 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 and then the t-rex stands out and you hear the big gigantic roar and you just feel the roar vibrate in your chest there's no music whatsoever but i'm just like oh oh my (laughs) gosh this is so awesome this is so cool but that would be scary to experience in real life sometimes a composer can choose not to have any music playing at mm, all. That is true. Yeah, and that's that, a good point. Th- that also adds to the effect as well because there is no music playing. So I think yeah. it also goes into a lot. The composer could be like, I'm not going to play anything here or going to play something quiet here or something really loud in your face. There's just so much. I feel like it's also a science when yeah. you're, you know, when you, for the composer you know, on how they, they create that music for that, that scene. Oh, yeah. I mean... When we go into this podcast, we're going to talk about all of that, all of that. And, yeah, I'm glad that you brought it up, Nick, because that's actually a really good point, that the timing of the music is really important, too, when it comes to film scores and things like that. And so, also, for this podcast, 
not only are we going to talk about the music, but I also want to dive into uh, six composers specifically and talk about how they came to... Like their backstory, right? Yeah. So we're going to dive into six composers and we'll talk about their backstory and how they got to be a music composer. Because, you know, everybody's heard of John Williams. Everybody's heard of Hans Zimmer. But do people actually really know how they came to be a music composer? And do people think about the fact that maybe their life experiences have inspired the type of music they produce? You know, just food for thought. Yeah, I mean, that's not something that, like, I normally think about. But when we were discussing, talking about this today, I really am interested to learn, uh, especially about some of these huge composers like Hans Zimmer, um, and just see what their life growing up was like because yeah I'm sure that that just like with any artist your past and what you've been through influences how you create your music and why you create your music and and just to kind of another thing I was thinking about as far as timing on uh on the the composition of music and movies I guess or cinema like uh, I think a great example of that is like horror movies Mm, yeah yeah. oh definitely Mm -hmm. you know because you've got your silent moments and then you'll hear creepy kind of undertones and then you know you'll get a jump scare or something and the music picks up and yeah so uh I'm I'm really glad that you said that as well Nick I I think that not just when the music is playing but also when it's silent is yeah and then also it depends on the type as well because if you go like it like a a musical or something like that it's going to be really catchy you know ear candy but for horror movies, most horror movies use atonal music rather than tonal music as well, mm. which also, and basically the difference between tonal and atonal. Tonal is something that you could hum or sing along to. It has a melody. Atonal music has no melody. Yeah, it's very, like, scattered. It's it's almost like, I think a lot of times composers will use, like, chromatic scales for atonal music, which is just kind of... I think the there's harmonic scales and then there's chromatic scales and chromatic scales are very uh, just not there, there's no harmony like it's it's all just different sounds that kind of throw you it make you uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah. and one of the most iconic sounds from from a movie is um, um, Psycho the in the shower scene the yun yun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and we're actually going to be talking about that a little bit. Yeah, this uh, this psycho shower scene. Yeah, I guess I should stop you know jumping. <laughs> yeah, on I'm getting all I these thoughts, but we, we should <laughs> give it back to you, John. So yeah. why don't you go ahead and just jump into it? No, so. it's no problem. It's no problem. So I guess uh, kind of like our last episode, we'll go into the history of soundtrack music because it's just as interesting as uh, talking about the history of film. Although we won't go as in depth this time because we want to save most of the time to. You know, talk about composers and their music. So we'll try to keep it as brief as we can and go to the composers as soon as possible. All right. So if you remember from the last episode, like the first instance where they tried to synchronize sound and film was with uh, Thomas Edison and George Dickinson, William Dickinson, trying to do the whole violin thing. Close yeah. to the horn, oh, the two yeah. guys dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first instance where they tried to sync it up. But if you remember, um, because of mechanical error, you know, the sound and the visuals didn't sync up really well. And so, so for the longest time, the only way that you can watch a film being projected was if you had a live musician performing music to go along with it. 
So there was no way for you to record audio and then cut and edit it. But the only way that you can listen to music back in the day was if you had a live musician. Yeah, which which I think is pretty cool. I mean, because, I mean, I love going and hearing music live. But, of course, that's not always feasible, especially in today's society where, you know, if you come out with a movie, it's being played all over the world. And you can't have that same orchestra go to every single viewing and play that music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it was it's kind of an interesting thing because musicians were on high demand back in the silent film era because there were lots of silent movies going around and the only way that you can have music to go along with it was if you had musicians. Think about that. Yeah, I was born in the wrong time then. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also like three different kind of movies uh, they gave different priorities. So there were low-budget movies where, like, the musician, it was usually, like, one pianist was just, like, in the front, and he would just improvise. Yeah, so. I, I think... Um, <laughs> like, ragtime stuff? Or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, like, the movie would go on, and just the pianist would just be looking at it and just kind of think, okay, maybe this would sound good with it, and just right. play kind of a random song that he just improvises. And then there were, like, uh, movies, kind of the average movie uh, would involve, like, uh, musicians. Musicians would be given, like, a guidebook that had a list of different music or hymns that they can play along to. And the, uh, basically the guy in charge of the movie would say, okay, here's the book. I'll let you figure out what songs you want to do, but these are just some songs that you could do. Yeah, like th this is kind of what I'm going for, how I would like it to sound, but yeah. you know, still giving them kind of the freedom to to, to yeah. play around with it. I kind of yeah. like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of like there's sections for happy, you know, moments or sad moments or solemn moments, and it lists off different hymns or songs because you know hymns were really big back in the day because of a lot of churches, and so it was pretty easy just to put down a hymn in a guidebook and say, hey, you can play this. Yeah, yeah. So if, if inspiration didn't strike or they weren't really, you know, they, they could just kind of go with one of the hymns or, yeah. or some of the music that was chosen beforehand. Um, yeah, also kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the movie uh, The Three Amigos. Maybe I, I haven't, no. I haven't, <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Okay, no. okay. I'll give you a little bit of a brief uh, description of it. Basically, uh, three Hollywood guys are come to Mexico by... This, uh, let me back up a little bit. So three Hollywood guys are summoned by this lady from a village in Mexico to come down and to help them to fight back against these Mexican gangsters. Yeah, technically, it wasn't gangsters, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like back in the 1900s. And this lady summoned these three actors because she thought that they were actually real heroes. Mm. And she saw like a silent film of the three of them, you know, and thought, oh, they were real heroes. So she summoned them to come to Mexico to fight these guys. And they're like, uh, we don't know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just uh, actors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just actors. But it was kind of interesting because the introduction to that movie, you see uh, the silent film being played in a church and the guy played on an organ. So a lot of silent films in, in like places where they didn't have a lot of money, they would just play music in the local church with the organ. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. I've 
because I imagine that's one of the only places that would you would have access to an instrument like that that yeah. you could use to and that'd for, be loud enough for you know for a gathering like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you know you have like the pews and the organist there, and they would just project the movie on inside the church because that was that's the only instrument. <laughs> that they had so yeah it was kind of an interesting touch that they put inside that movie so but going back into our discussion the highest budget movies so like the top-notch movies they will have like uh, musicians come and compose original scores for those movies Oh, yeah. So that's maybe kind of how it started. Like, you know, those higher budget movies where they're like, okay, we don't want to use, you know, these hymns or anything like that. We want you to make the music for what we are, uh, you know, putting together and portraying for the audience. Yeah, exactly. So that's for like really high up, you know, movies like being shown in New York City or something like that, where there's like a full orchestra down there and the composers would come and talk with the directors and figure out like what kind of music would go well with it. And then they would give the sheets to the orchestra and they would play the music as the movie was being played. Yeah. And so that's kind of like really the start of like the whole idea of having a composer come and create original music for a movie was for those high budget movies. Like you were talking about Ryan, the only disadvantage though is because it's live, you have no way to get it exactly perfect with the timing, with when the right music to come along. They did a good job for the most part, but it's not perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there, you know, it wasn't the digital era. It, it wasn't where you could really record something and come back to it and nitpick it and edit it and yeah. make sure it all lines up. So that makes sense. And, you know, it's it's... When you explain it, it's really just kind of a natural evolution. Like, you know, if you have the ability to make videos, it makes sense that at some point as you're dabbling into music and, and putting them together that you'd want to be like, well, I want to do something original. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to use music that's already around. I want to make something specifically for this. You yeah. know, f- for some reason, I thought that kind of the history behind that would be a little bit more complicated but it actually makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you try and do that at some point? Yeah, I mean, granted, it was for the higher budget movies where if you had enough money, you can get a composer to write original music. But for the most part, you know, they were throwing out silent films here and there, you know, just kind of like because it was really new and, you know, there was no Hollywood or guidelines for when movies were to come out. It was kind of like George Melielis, that uh, a guy from Paris, he just did experimental movies just to see if he can tinker around with the editing you know he he was just an independent guy yeah yeah (laughs) so of course there would be low budget movies where it's just like yeah i mean we'll just play him and it might go along with it right just cool with that (laughs) but then there's like higher budget movies where the director's like no i really wanted to be really special yeah, but but yeah, like when you say higher budget, it sounds like that's not like it is today. Because like if you if you say higher budget movie, in modern terms, you're maybe thinking of like a Marvel movie or yeah. or a Warner Brothers or something like that. Whereas back then, I don't even think they really had like like you said, there was no real Hollywood rules. There was or, no entities or anything like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. everything was all independent. Exactly, yeah. Lots of independent uh, filmmakers, and they just flipped out lots of movies here and there. So, of course, 
it would be no problem for them if just like a random musician, you know, just came in and just played over the sound of the tape machine, you know, or not tape machine, film machine. Yeah. Because film machines were actually pretty loud back then. It's like lots of clanking, you know, just right, like that, you know. So you have to have music, one, to cover the noise of the machine, but two, to give, you know, it to enhance the visual experience as well. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, like a really good example of a higher budget movie director would be Charlie Chaplin. Mm. Charlie Chaplin actually was like really up there back in the day. And he directed, produced, wrote, and composed his own movies. So oh, I didn't know he did everything. Yeah. yeah, he pretty much did most everything with his movies. Granted that when he composed, you know, he wrote notes and stuff like that, but he had musicians play the music that he wrote. But for the most part, you know, yeah, Charlie Chaplin did everything with his movies. Wow. Well, I guess that makes sense why he's considered the, the face when you think of the silent film era. Yeah. Yeah, like a really good example of um, a good movie that he did was The Kid. It was like the first movie that combined uh, drama and comedy together. Mm. And the really key thing that made it work was the music and the acting. And so Charlie Chaplin wrote the music and he made it in such a way that it worked really well with the movie and that it didn't feel out of place because there were critics before the movie that came out that said, uh, not sure if it's going to work combining drama and comedy. How's that going to work? But it was because of the because of the music and because of the acting that it worked really well. And so you had to have original music for movies like that. And it's kind of what I'm getting to. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, and, and Charlie Chaplin, he really did, like you said, he did a great job because if you even watch his old videos today, granted, they're very old, they're grainy, they're, <laughs> you know, all of the things, but um, they're still really entertaining and fun to watch. Like, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he... I, I can see why he was one of the first to do it, and and he did it well enough that it really caught on. Yeah, yeah, he was a, he was a master of uh, films back in the day, and it was when sound films came along. When, if you remember in the back last episode, when sound films came around, silent films really went down, and it was because of that that Charlie Chaplin kind of went out of the Hollywood scene. Mm. was because he was a master of doing silent movies, but people didn't want to see silent movies anymore when sound came out. Yeah, well, I'm sure that would be a very, you know, it was uh, kind of like when the iPhone came out. I'm yeah. sure they're like, whoa, this <laughs> is so cool. New technology, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so we'll go ahead and move on. So, yeah, basically, long story short, in the late 20s, um, Technology was able to figure out how to synchronize music, sound, and visuals together. So now you can have a movie being portrayed and have speakers produce the music and the sounds. So now you don't need live orchestra musicians to play anymore with, uh, with movies. Yeah. And that actually hurt the musicians because they're saying, no, we don't need you anymore. So a lot of musicians actually... Uh, became jobless when oh. sound movies came around. Well, that would make sense because back before, if you're going to play music, you, know, you had to play it live. So that's multiple gigs yeah. and h literally hundreds, if not thousands of musicians that are being employed. 
But now that you're recording, you're just going to use that one same recording over yeah. and over and over again. So you don't need all those musicians coming to all those performances anymore. Exactly. And you know what that reminds me of is uh, streaming and yeah. also COVID. <laughs> you know, like I feel like a lot of musicians ended up jobless in the past few years or just weren't able to create. One, because of streaming services kind of taking over and there's less physical sales for the the albums and, and the content they put out. And then another, because COVID, there were a lot less live shows going on. So it's, yeah. it's just interesting, the contrasts. Yeah, it is interesting. So I guess a little bit into the technology. So for the first part, uh, when sound movies came around, they used vinyl. And so they would record the music and the sound effects onto a vinyl disc, and they would play the vinyl disc while the movie was being portrayed. And that gave good quality sound to it. But, you know, well, disadvantage because you only have one take, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, you still <laughs> had to sense. practice over and over and over. And then you'd be like, all right, I got a good feel of this. Let's actually record this and hope that you don't mess up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So it wasn't until, like, the tape era came along that music composers had a lot more freedom. Because with tape, you can do multiple tracks and do lots of retakes. And it was because of tape that uh, surround sound was possible because you can have several tapes assigned to different speakers and they can play their own different sounds. And you didn't have to have one vinyl that had all the sound in it, if that makes sense. Well, oh, yeah, it, it, oh, yeah. It, I feel like it adds a lot more depth you know, yeah. to just one, instead of just one take that has everything, you have everything that's just, designated for one particular sound and so you're able to mix it better yeah oh i guess mix because you couldn't (laughs) really mix until the digital age but (laughs) but But, yeah but to add it all together into one one sound exactly well and if you want to learn more about tape and how that came about (laughs) and everything uh you'll want to go back and listen to episode seven with joe castler it's it's fascinating how tape because i believe it was brought over from germany like uh the, the Germans were the first to make it, and I don't even know if we really know how they did it. Like, uh, no, I mean, according to my brother, they just found it at World, during World War II when America was in Germany. Yeah, so. just crazy. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, wait, I just wanted to. Oh, put that's that Germans for you. They're very innovative. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> for for yeah. those of you who don't know, Nick is, uh, well, you have German ancestry. And oh, <laughs> so. yeah, my mother is German. I'm half, and I do have dual citizenship. So yeah. I do have a little <laughs> bit of pride there. But <laughs> yeah, Got <that> German blood. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, it's really fascinating how tape really revolutionized music not only for the music industry with bands and musicians, but also for film music as well. Now composers can just do several takes using several different types of tape for surround sounds, and it gives a different feeling to the movie when you have surround sound versus like one speaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it was better quality, it was easier. And although tape was very expensive at the time, it still was a lot easier, I feel like, than than um, having to re-record on vinyl. Like, it was yeah. easier to do more than one take. Yeah, exactly. Vinyl definitely has great quality, but doesn't have the, uh, what is it called, freedom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vinyl does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the the tape has. Yeah, it's uh, so I, I can see why that really helped kind of put it all together. Yeah. And then it was kind of interesting because they discovered that tape 
while it's good for audio tracks, actually, it kind of, what is it called, disintegrates over time. Oh, yeah, it kind of wears out. Yeah, it wears yeah. out. Yeah. And so it wasn't until like the late 60s, I believe, that they came up with a new method for having soundtrack music for theaters. They actually, they take the film and the final strip of film. So, you know, there's the editing film where you do all the cutting and pasting and stuff. Yeah. And then there's the final film strip where it's the film reel that you show in theaters. So they take the final film reel and then they take the soundtrack music that they record using tape and then they use a method where they connect the... So basically they would kind of splice it together, right? The, the You know, you're putting together the audio and the video. Yeah, so if you can imagine, the process involved putting sound onto a film strip. So how do you do that? Well, the way that you do it is you create a section of the film exclusively for sound. So you have the visual part where all the pictures are, and then to the side of it, you record a sequence of lights on it. So imagine like a barcode where it's dark light, dark light, dark light. And when the machine read it back, it produced sound. That makes sense. Well, and and it would. It sounds like it would kind of let the the computer, the machinery, know when when the music would start and when it wouldn't play. Is is that right? Yeah, I guess I, I'm not explaining it very well. I haven't really rehearsed it. So. Yeah. Well, no, that's okay. It's it's kind of it sounds kind of complicated to so, explain anyway. Let me go back. So we talked about tape. So let's just say cut, start over. Okay. So. Yeah, the advantage with tape is that you can have composers, you know, do several retakes and to have different tapes for different types of sounds so you can have surround sound. But the disadvantage they found was that tape just basically deteriorated over time. So it's not a very practical method for for movies, you know, because yeah. the sound doesn't last too long. Yeah, so makes sense. So what they want what they figured out was, okay, why don't we try to record the audio onto the film strip itself. That way it can be preserved longer. And so how do you do that? Well, they decided that they will use a method of lighting to record sound, which is interesting. So yeah. so you're using visuals to, to record sound. Yeah, that is very interesting. Like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. So imagine like a film strip, okay? So you have the, like the little hole sprockets, and in the middle there's the picture, right? Well, they kind of expanded it so that there's room for like a little section to record sound as a visual image. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to derail you, but um, <laughs> as far as the, so the videotape was more durable or, or could, uh, it lasted longer for, for multiple replays of the film. Is that right? Versus like the magnetic tape that was used just for audio is, yeah. is kind of... Yeah, it's kind of like with the audio tape, you know, it was great for surround sounds, but they found that synchronization, you know, was a little bit difficult because you have to align the magnetic tape with the visual image just perfectly. Yeah, so that tricky. You're, so you're not off sync. And magnetic tape kind of deteriorates over time. So yeah. they don't want to keep using it if they want to preserve movies. Yeah. So they what they want to do is, okay, let's have the recording of the sound beyond the f- film strip itself. And so what they do is they run the final film along this machine and then they play the music that they want at particular scenes. 
Yeah, yeah. They run it through a machine, and this machine would create light. And this light would shine at this particular thin area of the film strip. Mm. And so whenever the light would go on, it would record it as like a dark spot on the side. I see. And if there wasn't any sound, then it would be light, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so if you can imagine, it would be like this barcode that ran alongside the visual image on the film strip. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's a great way to describe it. That's kind of an easy way to understand, for, for our listeners to understand, is it's almost like a barcode showing like, okay, this is where the music is, and, yeah. and this is where it's going to play. Yeah. And so that allowed uh, sound to be preserved for a longer period of time versus tape. And that's where the film, uh, that's where the name soundtrack came from because it's a track that l- ran alongside the film. Oh, I soundtrack. see. It's the soundtrack, yeah. It's yeah. the soundtrack. So, yeah, I'm probably going to have to show you a picture so you can better understand it, and we'll probably leave a link in the description. But Yeah, we will, <laughs> and, and we'll uh, post it on our Instagram. But basically, long story short, this machine basically recorded a barcode on the film so that... It can produce sound. <laughs> yeah, when which the film when the film ran through the machine. Yeah, if that makes sense. So it's a very cool time as far as like technology and and because I just think like how who thought of this like who, how did they yeah. I mean it was so um, I don't know it just blows my mind like <laughs> e- even more than some of this modern stuff you know yeah. uh, done with computers and stuff. Yeah, uh, back when film first came out and everything. Um, yeah. And, incredible. and also synchronization is a lot better too because the sound is on the film strip as well. Yeah. So all you have to so do it's is easier to line it up because you're actually looking at something rather than just guessing or going by your ear. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so for recording the audio, they would use, you know, magnetic tape, but then they would use the audio from the magnetic tape, run it through the machine, it would blink lights onto the film strip and it would record the sound as a barcode onto the film strip. I see. <laughs> okay, hopefully that's a better explanation. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very, you know, I, it sounds a little dumbed down, but, like, it's I, I can get it, and if I can get it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in layman's terms. So. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. As long as so, you don't quiz us on this afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's move along. So basically now you can synchronize audio and visuals onto the same strip of film. Yeah. And so a lot easier to portray movies. So you don't have to guess where the magnetic tape needs to start. All right. And from there, that's we've gone into digital. So pretty much hard drives. Yeah. You know, software makes it easier than ever just to synchronize music and visual Lasts a lot longer, too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Longer, too. Like movie theaters, all you have to do is just take, like, a hard drive, slot into a machine with the projector, show the movie. That's right. it. It's yeah. all in there. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and uh, replayability, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, film wearing out. Like, it, I, I think even video film wears out after, yeah. you know, amount of, an amount of time. So, yeah. you know, you're saving cost, and, and, yeah, I'm sure it was a lot better once you could put it on a hard drive. Exactly. And so now it kind of brings us to, like, what go- goes behind the scenes. So, basically... The director creates like a rough cut of the movie. So they have all the film or the visual images in place. And then they just watch it on the screen, right? 
Yeah. So no music, no sound effects or anything, just the rough cuts. Yeah. And they kind of chop it up to like an outline of what they want the movie to be. And then they sit down with a composer and a sound editor and watch the movie together without any music or sound. And they decide, okay, this is probably where we should add music or maybe we should enhance the sound effect here, something like that. This process is called spotting. Got it. I, I think I've heard that term. Yeah, and too. I, I've seen behind the scenes on certain movies where where they do the spotting and how they came up with the music for certain films. Yeah, and so that kind of goes behind the process of like creating music. Is first the composer kind of sits down with the director and figures out, okay, what's a good time for music? What type of music do we want? And then the composer kind of goes into his or her own little space and writes down the music. And in the old timey, in the old timey times, the old timey <laughs> times, times, you know, they would actually have to handwrite the music notes, yeah. you know. So if you can imagine that, having to write notes, and you, you'd probably <laughs> yeah. get very. It, 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 I you had to do. Um, um, so I took AP Music Theory yeah. at Mazer in high school, and um, we would always have these opening exercises where my teacher would play something on the piano. We had to try and guess, figure out, you know, identify the note that he was playing, and then yeah. write it down on there. So yeah, so it was a ear training exercise, but yeah. having to identify the note and then write it down and make sure they had it all correct in the same in the right key and everything and all yeah. that stuff it was pretty pretty challenging. And so, but we only would just do a few bars, not a whole <laughs> giant you know film score. So oh, yeah. I'm sure that could get very tedious. So you have to hear it in your head and remember all of it as you're writing it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and it's basically like a whole different language, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's nothing like, there's no alphabet involved. It's all just kind of, it, yeah, it's a totally, totally different symbols you're using. Totally different yeah. language. And then, of course, with modern technology with computers, you know, composers have the option of just using software to create sounds and music if they wanted to, if they didn't want to write the notes. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it's kind of interesting. So there's a composer, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard, Hans Zimmer. He describes the process as like the director handing off their baby to you. <laughs> yeah. like I'm I sure it so is. I hard yeah. on this, like, please, you know. Don't yeah. mess it up. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really interesting the way he, he described it. It's just like, yeah, the director is kind of like, yeah, here's my baby, so take good care of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's probably the same, like vice versa. You know, you create this amazing soundtrack for uh, a movie and like, that's your baby. Like you're, you're both just putting your creative works together. Yeah, that is. Oh yeah. I mean, music can make or break a, a film. That is yeah. true. And so, yeah, that's uh, pretty much where I want to leave off with the history and a little bit of backstory. Hopefully that wasn't too long for you, Ryan. Yeah, no, no. I think that you had some very complex sort of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, Just in-depth research. Yeah, like yeah. you had a lot of complex stuff to to elaborate on. So Yeah, so yeah, basically long story short, music has had quite a history with film. So. Yeah. In All a right. nutshell. And it's, <laughs> it's been, I, I just have to say, it, well, I, a couple things I wanted to correct. When I said that an alphabet, that the alphabet isn't involved in music, that was kind of a lie <laughs> because music notes are, are like uh, you, you use alphabetic letters to 
yeah. help with music notes. Anyway, I, yeah. I wanted to quickly correct that. A through G. No, yes. So that's yeah. all. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to just say how cool it is that uh, between you and Joe, we've kind of put together this history of audio and cinema. Yeah. And just mashed it together. It's, it's really cool. Um, oh, yeah. Appreciate both of you guys uh, coming on the show to, to educate us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You know, we just do it for fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's our hobby. Well, it's fascinating stuff and it allows you to be creative and all that. Because, I mean, yeah, you got all the technical stuff, but the, it's the technical stuff that allows you the, the creative freedom to create something. Oh, yeah. Well, and not enough people talk about this. Not Like, I, I never hear about this stuff. And, and I don't know whether it's just that people aren't interested in it or if... Yeah. But, you know, to me, it's just fascinating, and, and I love uh, spreading it to as many people as I can, so. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about soundtrack music is, you know, people love soundtrack music. People know composers, but do they actually know the history of how soundtrack came to be, or do they know the history of the composer that did the music for that movie? You yeah, know? yeah. It's just like, you don't think about that, but it does have an effect on the movies that you're watching. Well, yeah, the composers definitely deserve some some attention because, you know, they're, they, the actors are great, the directors are great, but nobody ever really delves into the composers and their lives. Yeah. And, and I would they... say that I'm guilty, though. Like, I know a whole bunch of composers, but I don't think I've ever really delved into any of their personal lives. Like, I do some of my favorite artists. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. And so it's, yeah, again, really cool that we're going into this. Yeah, and... There's a very famous overquoted quote. Is that a thing? Overquoted, <laughs> quoted, quote. <laughs> that Steven Spielberg said, where he said, music is just half the movie. And he's absolutely right. Like, without music, you don't have a movie, really. You just have people talking. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just kind of like looking at a video on your phone that you took the other day of your your family or, you know, like at a, at a party or an event. I don't know, movies, it's, it can be not just because of the quality of the, the video itself, but without the music, it just feels like a, a home video or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So before we go into composers and their music, kind of want to talk a little bit about some terminology to help us figure out what to say for certain scenes <laughs> of movies. Yeah. All right. So as a drummer... This is very relatable, but tempo. Basically, tempo is the speed of the music. So it's like ta, 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 or ta, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the speed of your music definitely affects how you feel. Because as humans, we kind of relate beats to our heartbeat. So we have ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. We don't think about it, but our heart beats you know yeah yeah and so it's kind of interesting there's like psychology research into this but for beats that are pretty so slower than the heartbeat so like da 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 it's kind of casual calming soothing and then for music that has beats the same as the heartbeat so like ta 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 it's kind of like your everyday life. So it kind of feels normal, nothing exciting going on. But then if you have like faster beats, like ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, it can be exciting or it can be suspenseful. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I mean, music is kind of, 
stimulating and and i feel like the the faster it is the 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 faster the tempo is yeah you definitely can get you get that suspenseful or or just kind of you become more alert to what's going on yeah and as a drummer you know it's like very relatable to me because as a drummer, you have the responsibility of keeping the beat. Oh yeah, the drummer is the tempo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is the tempo. <laughs> but sense. like as a drummer, you're very like people depend on you. You know, well, yeah, they, you're, you're 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 the backbone of the entire yeah, band. Drums and if bass. you're not if you're not in sync, the rest of the band is not in sync. You exactly. control whether we sound good or not. Yeah, exactly. So. And I can control like the speed of the music or stuff the intensity like that. and all that intensity, stuff. I mean, exactly. there's there's so there's so many different facets when it just comes, you know, just to rhythm and percussion, and just and any you know, not just drums, but even you know, guitars or bass or vocals. You know, they all have their different rhythms and and things like that. And sometimes you'll have contrasting rhythms, or they'll be the same or, or yeah. whatever. You know, different speeds or whatnot, and depending on how you time them with the tempo yeah. will depend on whether it sounds good or not. Yeah, exactly. And Nick, I might want your help and advice on these next few terms because you're a musician yourself. All right, I'll do my best. <laughs> no promises. So <laughs> the next uh, term I want to go over is melody. So from what I understand, it's just basically the order of the notes. Is that right? Pretty much. I mean, I don't know the exact textbook definition but that's basically what i would call a melody yeah so melody would be something like do re mi fa sol la ti do yeah and just in what order that that they're going yeah, in. yeah exactly so you would have like the do at the first part and then the do right. at the end you know yeah well and and then um when you combine two different melodies uh that share the same notes or, or very similar, that's when you get harmony, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So harmony is like several notes simultaneously playing together. Yeah. And it can give depth to the music. Yeah. And yeah. one way to kind of remember that a melody is typically the main story of the song. Okay. Yeah. So like the meat and potatoes of the music. Well, yeah, like I guess as an artist or a musician, maybe a good way to describe a melody is like, when you're first thinking about how you want something to sound, you might like hum a few, a few notes like, you know, or something yeah. like that. And that is maybe the start of a melody or what becomes the melody as you continue to yeah. uh, create the song. Exactly. And you can also call it just the ear candy. That's what most people look for, listen to, and what they like about a song is typically the melody. Yeah, the melody. It's kind of like the part of the music that you remember the most, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then we go into rhythm, which is the next part. And from what I understand, rhythm is like the particular pattern that the notes are being played. Yeah. I mean, rhythm and is kind of, I would say it goes, it's related to tempo as well. Yeah. So kind of a time factor into there. I, I think it's like the amount of time in between each. Yeah, You know, like it, it comes into a play a lot with hip hop because if you have a beat that is very erratic and you, you aren't having the same amount of time in between each drum hit or, a, you know, then it falls apart and you yeah. aren't able to keep the, the, the vocals don't match with the rhythm of the song. I gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and a rhythm also goes with, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, a time signature of a song as well. Mm. Yeah. 
I guess there's like a difference in feeling with like do re mi fa so la di do versus do re mi fa so la di do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. what's the difference between you know uh, a tempo and a rhythm? A tempo dictates how dictates how fast it is, but you can do a, a rhythm at different tempos. Mm, it's it's more of a it's more of a pattern. Yeah, because yeah. pattern. Because if you change up that pattern, it's a different rhythm. Yeah. But whether you do it faster or slower, it's still the same rhythm. Interesting, yeah. So even if the tempo is the same, you can have a different kind of rhythm to it in between that can sound faster. Yeah, so, I mean, rhythms are, are just ba- basically patterns. That's all they yeah. are. Yeah. Sounds good. Which, which, you know, it's more important than you think because, like, everything that we do, p- people are very patterned. Like, our brains are very patterned. We're always trying to work out puzzles, and yeah. and we like things to be patterned and in line. So, yeah. you know, that's why rhythm is, is very important in a song yeah, or any music. Yeah, and rhythm can definitely change the feeling of the song, even if it's the same speed, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that, too. And then expression. Basically, expression is... It's kind of broad, but it's basically the sound of the music and the feeling that it gives you. <laughs> well, expression is subjective, so because yeah. that's where the freedom comes in with music. Because how you're going to express it? You want it to be more sad, or you want it to be more upbeat and exciting, or you want it to be angry, or you know, <laughs> the, I mean, it's an expression. <laughs> yeah, like the best way that I can describe expression is like so. There's English, right? And, you know, English is the same, you know, in America, in Europe, roughly, you know, it's written the same exactly, but talking in English would sound different from one person to another. So like a Texan speaking English would sound different than a Utah, (laughs) a Utah or a person from England speaking English, if that makes sense. So it's still the same English language, but how people express English it's different, if that makes sense. Well, and I, I think not always, but sometimes intensity and expression can kind of go hand in hand because if you, you know, if you think about when you're sad, how do you talk? You, you maybe yeah. talk with a different intensity than when you're angry uh, mm, or, yeah. you know, and so not only is the, does the expression change, but your intensity can change as well. Mm, that is true. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm just kind of giving a rough definition <laughs> and i'm glad that you guys are giving your input because it's making a lot more sense now <laughs> well it's, it's like it, yeah these are these are hard well, topics to explain now they're all facets that are important in music i mean you gotta have a tempo you gotta have a rhythm you need to have a melody and you, all these other definitions that we're talking about if you don't focus on those when you're writing music something's going to be missing if you don't know what that is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. That is true. Well, and, and I feel like a lot of artists and composers do it without even knowing. Like, they may not know about all of these different terms, but they just uh, are good at... at uh, yeah, I mean, for, for <laughs> some people, music just is second nature to them. Like, artists like Michael Jackson. Yeah. I would say that you <laughs> know, music was, was you, know, you know, secondhand nature to him. You know, he was a musical genius. Yeah, that's true. And for someone like me, it's just like, I have no clue <laughs> how to write music. I feel that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, two more terms, and then we'll get into the heart of the episode. So, diegetic versus non-diegetic. 
I've never even heard those terms. Yeah, I've I've never heard yeah. of them either. So it's more cinema related than music related. Mm-hmm. Basically, diegetic means sounds or music that come from the story of the movie. So if someone on the movie is clapping their hands and you hear clapping, that's diegetic. If that okay. makes sense. Or if you hear or if you see like an orchestra playing on screen and you hear orchestra music, then that's diegetic. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. So and you're seeing basically seeing the source of where the sound is coming from, is that it? Exactly. Okay. And then non-diegetic is sounds or music that don't come from the movie. So basically soundtrack music is the ultimate non-diegetic music because you that know sense, yeah. In Lord of the Rings, you don't see like an orchestra in the background of the battlefield while they're fighting. Yeah, but you do hear their swords clanking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. like combinations. Yeah. yeah, so there's like combinations where you can have diegetic and non-diegetic at the same time. So you hear swords clanging, but there's music in the background and, well, there's no orchestra. What? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if that makes sense. Although if there was an orchestra in the background of some of those war scenes in Lord of the Rings, that would be pretty <laughs> epic. I mean... I mean, instruments are a part of war. I mean, you have like drummer boys and things like that. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. H- how they would you know, communicate on a battlefield or get you, know, you pumped up or drums and things like that, or yeah. intimidation of you know your enemy. Yeah, so, yeah. In- so not to say that it would be completely out of place, but it still would be weird to see a whole orchestra because I don't think an orchestra has <laughs> ever been used in war before. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like that Family Guy episode where they're parodying the Star Wars movies uh, yeah and uh yeah just like everybody here's john williams oh yeah <laughs> and john williams is is on a bike <laughs> conducting the music <laughs> you know it's like you don't see that in movies but yeah yeah <laughs> they kind of poked right, fun yeah. at that well and i i love how you mentioned that it can be used for like at least in uh in battle and stuff, it can be used for intimidation. Sorry, I'm probably going off subject a little, <laughs> but it made me think of the the sounds that they would play in Vietnam to try and scare mm. the enemy. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about that, but back in the Vietnam War, they actually would play just very, I mean, it's probably like atonal chromatic scale sounds and, and yeah. people like screaming and, and stuff, they would play them over speakers and, and mm. air horns and stuff to try and frighten the enemy. Interesting. And yeah, because you know they would play sounds, you know, to that they, that their enemy wouldn't be familiar with. Yeah, hmm. that just kind of so, made them uncomfortable. So just imagine this: you're going off to war. You know, you're going to fight by uh, the possibility of dying, and you hear this really strange sound. Like, what the heck was that? Yeah, you know, it's like I can make you feel uneasy a little bit. You know, or scared and all that stuff because you're yeah. in a very high stress environment. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is true. Also reminds me of like in the Civil War, like the rebels yell, you know, just like Union described it as one one of the most frightening sounds they've ever heard. And it's just a bunch of these guys just yipping and yelling and, you know, just going at them full speed. Yeah. With that. But but I mean that and is also, you know, music has also played other roles, you know, like you know, like drummer voice, you know, where you, know, you couldn't back then where they didn't like have like communications where they could talk to each other uh, like let's say you know the during the revolutionary war if the whoever was leading the battle wanted to change a tactic they would tell their drummer boys like okay do this thing and that would let all the soldiers know okay get in this 
formation of we're doing this or we're yeah. surrendering or we've won or whatever. You know, yeah. It w- was a form of communication as well. Yeah, that is right. That is right. They did have that back in the day when they were fighting wars. Yeah, so just kind of interesting um, <laughs> how it, it applies to real-world scenarios and not just like cinema and movies. Yeah, um, yeah. That so. is an interesting tangent. I'm glad that we went on this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll bring it back. Sorry. We'll bring it back. All right, one last term, and then we'll dive in. All right, leitmotif. This is very, very important to remember. Leitmotif. Basically, it is music that is associated with a person, place, or thing. Huh. So when no, you, I've heard that word before, but I've never, yeah, I would say when you said it, I couldn't remember the definition of yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So a f- classic example is when I do this, dun, 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 dun. what do you think of? Indiana Jones, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That is the perfect example of leitmotif. So, okay. So it, it's make, makes you, you know, associate something with a certain sound. Exactly. Um, or like a person or place, you know, like you hear the music from Jaws, you're thinking of, you know, oh, the ocean you know, or the deep on a boat or, or yeah. swimming or yeah, all of the, all of that. Exactly. And so composers would use, would create um, melodies and rhythms that give leitmotif to a movie. So, yeah. Well, and I, I wonder if they, I mean, obviously you don't know when people are going to associate a specific music track with a specific place or person or, yeah. right? I, I mean, I feel like as a composer, you maybe I mean, you would hope that like, okay, I'm going to play this music for this scene and hopefully this will remind them of that. Yeah. Well, if you do it enough times, it starts to become iconic. Like last night I watched the, the She-Hulk series, you know, w- with my wife and my dad. And another light motif for Marvel movies. You know, what do you think of when you start a Marvel movie? What movie music starts playing? The dun 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 dun. dun yeah, and you yeah. see the Marvel and all the the scenes going on in the letters and everything. Like when that first, you know, when they first started doing that, I thought it was just random music. But now I always associate bump with Marvel because it's the Marvel intro. Yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, even the podcast, like you know, we've got our little intro that we do every time. And yeah. I, mean, I would hope that that reminds people of, okay, I'm listening to TP's music talk, yeah, you know? Exactly. So. so I guess for the average person, they would call it theme music. Yeah, yeah. So another word for leitmotif is theme music, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. But that's like the specific definition of, or terminology for theme music is leitmotif. Huh. All right, which brings us... To the heart of the episode now. Let's talk about composers and their music. Hey everyone, I really hope that you enjoyed this first segment of our episode with John Kassler talking about cinema and the different music composers. This first segment was mainly just a brief history of cinema to get us started and we talked about some of the terms that we'll be using throughout the next couple segments. So uh, if you liked this episode, the next episodes are just going to be even better. We're going to go into the different composers like John Williams and Hans Zimmer and many others, and we're going to talk about their lives and 
like what got them into composing, and we're going to talk about the different movies that they helped create the Sonic Scapes for. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. I really hope that you'll tune in to our upcoming couple more parts of this episode, which should be out in the next week or two. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you for the next one.